0: Hello. Welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters. Sorry about that little blip. Um, I am your host, Caroline Retterman, and we are here today with another great live episode. Um, And we are here with Chris Sterk today, who is one half of the Binaural Beat Brothers. um, And also he offers therapeutic sound for yoga, meditation. Um, I've seen you in uh, community gardens with playing gongs and all kinds of beautiful things so um, so welcome Chris well,
1: thanks for having me
0: yes I'm I'm really really excited that you're here today Me
1: too. me too
0: so um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do in the Pioneer Valley
1: yeah sure so I uh, I've been very interested in music and sound my whole life uh, I've been a musician since middle school I believe and uh, just got really involved with playing instruments and learning about music theory, music composition, studied it throughout college. And then after college, I started to get more interested in the therapeutic side of music or or sound in general, not even just music, but sound. Um, And it kind of came to me when I was playing my own instruments one day and just recognized how my own... Feelings could change during it, how I could be stressed out or unhappy or or whatever, and then pick up an instrument, and after a while, I just feel that kind of melt away. So I became interested in, you know, what is this? What's happening there? And and why is sound therapeutic? And how is it that, you know, we interact with sound? Um, So I got very interested in studying therapeutic sound work, uh, and I've had some teachers in doing it and um, started learning different processes and different practices and started working with different instruments that are kind of a little bit more conducive to um, some of my goals in therapeutic sound work of helping people relax or reduce, reduce stress. Um, and it's kind of been a long road for me of just kind of going all these little different routes and seeing where it takes me. And that's kind of where I am currently with it.
0: Yeah. So what, um, so when you're kind of, so when you're kind of starting with me, making music in middle school and like studying it in college, how is, how is that sound world different? Or I guess there's a lot of sound worlds kind of when you're studying it and when you're like tinkering around when you're growing up, how, how are those sound worlds different than therapeutic sound?
1: I think it's, I think it's very different from what, um, you're taught in schools, taught in college, you know, there's a very specific process that's taught, whether it's classical composition or or different ways of playing certain instruments or, or what have you. Um, and then after, after looking at it in that sense, there's kind of more of a, a looseness that I ended up taking with it. Um, I kind of got with my therapeutic sound work, it's very much ambient mode music. It's more of this kind of, it's there maybe in the background, maybe in the foreground, uh, maybe it comes in and out of the background in the foreground. Um, But it's really about creating this environment for people to be able to relax, to allow them to release um, whatever types of issues that they may have, uh, allow them to be in a a place of... um, You know, receiving the sounds, relaxing, and and seeing what happens while they're in those places when they're in the soundscape. Do things come up for them? Um, Do they have visions? Do they have thoughts that come in that they don't necessarily always have going on? Um, So I I think um, the the types of things in college was definitely more geared to like here's classical composition and here are the rules to this or you know whatever, and it's different once you get out of that space you're looking more towards um, you know working with people directly and more towards paying attention to what the person's experience is that you can tangibly look at and, and work with
0: yeah and so I mean I guess I guess my question when I'm kind of hearing you talk about these these different kind of styles of of creating sound it's like I think back to like the music that I've loved so deeply and like how sometimes those music that I've put on, that I've chosen to put on, like can help me make me cry or like, you know, that I've really deeply, um, Got got me kind of like, I mean, back in college, we'd like put on music to get us pumped up and to like, really like energize us for a night ahead. Um, Or, you know, the, the millions of ways that sound that we can really connect with like lyrics that like deeply connect with like the poetry of the written word and the music. And so sometimes I think about that. And I'm just like, well, doesn't doesn't that do is that? therapeutic sound?
1: Absolutely. That's definitely one of the pieces to it. I think there's a lot of aspects to therapeutic sound. And and what you're describing, you could refer to as episodic memory.
0: Whoa, episodic memory. I love that. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, exactly like you're saying of, you know, um, something that connects with us deeply in certain aspects of our time, uh, of our life. And it could be the kind of thing like, um, you know, someone... Had a really awesome time in their life, and there was a certain song playing, and they always connect that experience with that song. And then once they hear that song, or they think back to that song, it brings those kinds of feelings back you know uh, brings a dopamine release in the brain yeah um,
0: it's like people's wedding songs people's wedding
1: songs you know
0: they'll hear that hear that song that was like oh this is like my song with my my girlfriend or my boyfriend and then you know like and then they break up and you're like oh I can never hear that song again exactly and then it could do the (laughs)
1: exact opposite you know it could go from either the the happy or the sad and um it's it uh There are different aspects to sound, you know, we have a very strong emotional connection to sound and that I think we don't necessarily always consider in our modern society because I, I feel like we're very visually minded. Yes. People, you know, we're not necessarily always thinking about the impacts of sound, but like you just, you know, mentioned, that's that's one way of it too, of of having those connections. Um, but from a very deep biological standpoint, the the ability to hear is very connected to, um, you know, the nervous system. You know, it's like if you're asleep and you have your eyes closed, but then suddenly something wakes you up. You know, it's our it's most likely our ears that are bringing us, you know, bringing our attention to that. You know, we didn't see something happen, but, you know, we There's a primal
0: connection to, like, security and, like, safety when we're actually in deep sleep.
1: Exactly. Um, And there's, uh, it's called brainstem reflex. It's, that's what kind of happens. It's, there's this connection there that, um, you know, it, it could actually put us into the sympathetic nervous system, you know, put us into that kind of fight or flight response, depending on, you know, how we... Are awoken if we're very jarred or or whatnot. um. Yeah,
0: that makes me feel so sad because I mean I I get it, but like I'm just thinking back. So right now I moved to a place I live in Holyoke, and it's I've lived in cities all across the world, and I the place that I have now is hands down the loudest apartment. It's Holyoke has all the motorcycle culture, and I live right by an intersection. Mm. And I'm just as you're talking about this like brainstem reflex, I'm like. You know, my cats, my couch is right in the front living room area and my cats are constantly being woken up all day and all evening from their sleep by these loud motorcycles. And I see them and I'll be like reading my book and they'll like jump up mid-sleep. And I'm yeah. like, oh man, like what's the effect of that? Do you have any like, I mean, when, when we're jarred out of sleep through sound, yeah. what what are the effects of hitting our parasympathetic nervous system.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're basically going from that nice restful place of being in the in the parasympathetic nervous system, and then all of a sudden you're in the sympathetic nervous system, and, and the body's thinking, you know, do I have to run away? Do I have to, you know, fight somebody? Do I have to protect myself? You know, there could be... Uh, anxiety associated with that. There could be stress. There could be, you know...
0: My uh, poor cats. Start sweating, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Hopefully, uh, it, maybe it's not as powerful with cats, hopefully. Yeah.
0: Um, they're pretty sensitive little creatures. They are very sensitive Animals are like, they're very connected. They are, no yeah. doubt. No yeah, doubt. humans, we can kind of pretend like it doesn't exist. We can kind of push it into the background. Yeah. You know, we can think ourselves otherwise, uh, but our bodies are like... You yeah. Know, just store it
1: exactly and, and i know in my experiences where that's happened to me uh, you know it takes me a little bit to kind of settle down you know it's like you the heart's racing a little bit and your blood's starting to starting to move so it's not it's not the it's not the most enjoyable experience um but it, it is something that you know we do experience and it it, it just you know kind of reinforces that aspect that sound does have a connection to us whether or not we're actively listening, you know, uh, it's kind of like the ears are always open, we could close our eyes to some things, but the ears are, unless you're physically putting something over them, um, you know, they have that ability to, to help us really, you know, it, it is for our, our own safety, you um, So I oftentimes think about um, the movie Jaws, if you've ever seen. seen Yeah, classic. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it, you know, some people uh, I've heard people say, oh, I can never get into the ocean because of Jaws and and all this kind of stuff. And and I I oftentimes wonder, it's like if you watch that movie with the sound down, do do you still have the same type of effects? You know, it's, I think that the sound in that movie specifically drives those feelings of anxiety and, and drives the kind of the tension and release that people feel when they watch. Oh, my God. As so many movies do. You
0: yeah. Know,
1: you know? So just that in itself kind of is an instance of how we have this feelings of sound, you know, pulling on us and that anxiety that you can get with tension. And, and that I think it's a, a, a minor second Dun, dun 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 going back and forth and it's kind of just oh you just want something else to happen you want the sound to resolve to something more stable you want something that isn't just that oh this is feeling like it's driving me you know crazy so um there's definitely a strong connection there with uh with emotions and sound
0: yeah so so when you get when you're getting into a space of creating therapeutic sound like really really creating this like space where people can hear and relax and release or have visions or kind of get into whatever um whatever soundscape to really kind of soften people's nervous systems um do you yourself have to um create those sounds inside of you first or is that what the instrument does
1: Hmm. i um I like to definitely think of what the sound is going to sound like before I start attempting to make it on whatever instrument I'm utilizing. And the, the instruments I utilize the most with therapeutic sound work are gongs, singing bowls, and didgeridoos. Uh, as well as, um, you know, I create these binaural beat and monaural beat compositions. That's more electronic, so it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, but, yeah, when I'm trying to create that that um, environment for people to be able to feel comfortable, to be able to allow themselves the opportunity to heal. Um, I think about the sound. I hear the sound inside myself first as to what it is that I want to put out there. Um, and, uh, I, I typically like to try to get to, uh, um, if I'm doing a gig or an event, I like to get there a little bit early. I like to prepare, I like to kind of center myself so I don't feel like I'm rushed or stressed out or this, that, the other. If I'm playing gongs, I will you know, try to excite them a little bit first beforehand, just play them a little bit because they do um, perform differently in different spaces. Oh, interesting! I've noticed throughout time, um, you know, dependent if you're indoors, if you're outdoors, there's going to be some kind of different way that they sound, way that they interact with the acoustics, um, or the lack thereof. Um, so yeah, just kind of getting to that place of feeling comfortable with where I'm at as well as where the instruments are at. Um, yeah. that's, that's a pretty important piece to me.
0: Do you feel like your gongs have sentience? Like, do you feel like they're ever like, I do not want to play, like, do you? I do not want to play in this place, like use a different instrument? Like, do they ever tell you, like, no, thank you?
1: I have definitely felt um, some wanting to be played more than others. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had an instance where it was just like, don't play me. Yeah. But there's definitely some where I just noticed that one gong might be doing more of what I want and what I expect from it to do, while the other one isn't. So I'll typically, you know, focus more on the one that's doing what I like and what and what I was hoping for to happen. Um, so, yeah, there is kind of that feeling sometimes of... Um, and sometimes the gongs are, are more difficult to play in certain situations. Um, sometimes out, outside more, you know, the, the environment's... Um, maybe if it's too humid or something. Um, I use a lot of friction mallets on my gongs. So it has to be able to kind of grip onto the gong while you're pulling it and, and you know be able to create the sounds. And sometimes I have a hard time getting it to grip on. It just doesn't seem to want to do it that day. And so environmental conditions definitely play a little bit of part to it too. Um,
0: yeah, I just I want to share with people. Um, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here with Chris Sterk today, who's one half of the Binaural Beat Brothers, and he also makes um, therapeutic sound for yoga and meditation. Um, but the the experience that I had uh, the first time I heard your work, well, so far the only time outside, you know, live. Um, But we were, uh, Chris Murano of Clear Path Herbals, throughout the summer, he offers with you in tandem um, this like kind of gongs in the garden. So Chris Murano has um, a medicinal garden up in Montague. And you hauled your gongs out there. And you were playing them. So we were all... The, there's a group of us who's meditating on one plant one um you know species of medicinal herb that's growing and you're playing music while we're all sitting in meditation trying to like understand like the plant spirit yeah and the energetics of the plant and it was like i we all just went into outer space everybody had like cuz we just afterwards we kind of popcorn style like shared what our what our thoughts what our feelings kind of what we sensed in ourselves and about the plant and it was like you set the tone it's like the garden and the plants are are always going to offer so much information but it was like there was moments where it was like I knew I was listening, but I was like the music kind of like waved in and out and the plant kind of waved in and out. And it was like, I mean, it was just such a cool experience. Like I just, I felt like we were wrapped up in our own little special sound bubble, but we were outside. We were still in a field. There was like cows in the back and, you know, like little bugs flying around everywhere. But it was, it was like we created our own universe.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It was amazing.
1: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed uh, enjoyed and had that kind of experience. Uh, you know, Chris Morano and I have been doing these events for at least five years now, and uh, they're always so powerful to me in my experience, and, and watching other people have experiences as well. And um, I've used gongs and didgeridoos and frame drums in those types of events, and I feel like gongs really kind of help the most. Um, there's something about the harmonics, the tones, the frequencies that uh, a lot of the um, life around the garden seems to respond to it as well. You know, um, I'll oftentimes start playing, and, bu- and insects will start to get louder, or you know, sometimes the goats will start making noise, or the cows, or or, or whatever, and. And it's all part of the soundscape. you know, it is all uh, connected in there. and And we're all kind of gathering in those moments with the intention of having a, a communication with the plant that we're focusing on. and and
0: um, those in those settings, because you, you mentioned that you're you're trying to kind of set an intention for the sound. Yeah. so in those garden settings, for example, like what what kind of intentions do you do you put forth?
1: i i usually will um just focus really deeply on the plant itself and um you know just kind of like try to open myself up to the plant and you know and 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 speak to the plant like it's a human you know and i don't know a lot of people not necessarily a lot of people try to do that and but
0: it's like an, it's an indigenous practice definitely definitely
1: yeah. and but it's something that you know we all can do you know we all can take the time and do that and um I think the sound kind of helps us to, um, you know, allow us to focus a little bit more. That's one of the reasons I like to bring the gongs into the garden for that, because it's very easy for the mind to just kind of wander if you're sitting there and there's no sounds or, you know, maybe something else that draws the attention, um, you know, because sound and vibration will oftentimes grab our attention, you know. So, to me, being able to provide these these relaxing sounds, these meditative sounds, I feel like we're able to kind of connect deeper into the plant and focus deep more deeply into the plant. And um, you know, as you mentioned, going around the popcorn style and people sharing their experiences, there's oftentimes a thread that kind of connects a lot of them or connects some of them. And and that to me is really like the um, the most interesting piece of these events is is listening to people sharing, you know, and this person might have had a visual event, and they saw colors and visions, and this person over there might have heard a word or, you know, there's all these different things that could still all connect, even if one's a word and a sound and, a, and an image, there still might be this thread that connects it all, and... Um, that's always been my my favorite piece of doing doing these events is just seeing what that thread is and 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 um, it's like you the know. story
0: unfolding. Yeah,
1: the story the unfolding. Story of the plant. Exactly
0: unfolding through our conscious awareness. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. So, um so what other kind of live events do you do? Like tell me a little bit about um I saw that like you performed at uh at Unifier Festival out in Tolland Mass. Um yeah, what what other kind of big stuff like yeah, I'm so curious.
1: Yeah, uh I I love trying different events, you know. So I've done Unifier Festival many years. Um they oftentimes would have a, a sound sanctuary there, which was a building on the land and it was purely dedicated to sound work throughout the weekends so, yeah really wonderful um and there'd be like you know six straight hours of sound if you wanted therapeutic sound Dang. different practitioners coming in and doing different things so really wonderful experience to be able to stay in there and, and, and help with that so i love doing that um the plant attunements outdoors with chris uh, i've done Events at yoga studios, uh, yoga festivals. um, Yoga festival in Maine was one I've done a number of times. Uh, Retreats, you know, private retreats. uh, Who you know, where they want to have a nice therapeutic sound bath. Um, Done it. Done some work on um, art gallery openings. Cool. Um, I do private sessions as well with people who want to specifically do uh, you know, a one-on-one kind of situation where you can talk more with them to get more of an idea of what they're looking for with sound. Oftentimes if I'm doing just a, a group event, it's kind of like I'm basically just trying to get people to relax, get people to have a deeper experience. Um, but you could tailor tailor it a little bit more if you're working with someone directly um, and they have specific things they want to focus on. So. Um, all of those types of events have been a lot of fun, uh, and all very different too. Um, you know, sometimes there'd be some events that, uh, actually with Binaural Beat Brothers, we've done dance events as well. So we're playing these kind of therapeutic instruments, uh, but we're also incorporating drums and, um, you know, different, uh, electronics and synthesizers and things like that. So it kind of becomes this more of a m- moving, friendly kind of event and not one where you're just like laying on the ground and, and trying to relax and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I find sometimes when, especially when you're moving a lot of energy too, like the body doesn't always want to stay still. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, it's like we're physical beings. It's like, it's nice just to like shake and move and twist and let yourself kind of roll and do all these kind of very, uh, yeah, it just helps, helps free up the energy in a really different way. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. So, so I know that you, Chris, you just released some new music, some new um, binaural and monoural. is that what you called it, music? Um,
1: yeah, binaural and monaural. Um, monaural, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. It was actually just released uh, maybe a week or so ago. I, I have many tracks in my library that I've never put anywhere, so I'm kind of starting to go through and get some more things out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been very interested in binaural and monaural beats for many years now Um, and when I first heard heard them probably in my early 20s it it was a very different thing to me I I, I found them very uh, abrasive
0: oh wow yeah that's so interesting yeah
1: I found them very abrasive and uh, and because of that I want to try to find a way to have them more musical um, and, and have it so that they were easier to listen to and put on and be able to you know experience them and and so binaural beats basically you need headphones to experience them
0: oh you do so when i play them on youtube that's just like not that's not the ideal situation it's not
1: um but you know in that sense you're still probably receiving it as a monaural beat so the, the difference really is binaural beats you have different frequencies in the individual ears and the binaural beat is basically a perceived beating pattern created by the brain and it will be the difference of the two frequencies so if you have a hundred hertz playing in your left ear and you have 104 hertz playing in your right ear the binaural beat will be four hertz oh this perceived beating pattern cool now with monaural beats it's if you're just exper- exposed to the sounds with both your ears, not wearing headphones, um, that would be more of a monaural beat experience, where you don't have the actual separate ears hearing the separate frequencies.
0: And so, what are the what are the advantages of a monaural beat versus a binaural beat? Like why like why why what are the strengths of one versus the strengths of the other?
1: Well, I- interestingly enough, they're both. They both have strength to them um there have been some studies showing that you know they are both able to uh for instance um help synchronize brain activity okay and monaural beats have actually been shown to do that uh maybe better than binaural beats have um but the interesting thing about it is it's a subject that really still needs a lot of study a lot of research behind it um Because there's still questions as to like, you know, what's happening? Where is this all happening? Um, There's been some studies that have shown like slightly different results, you know, kind of going against one another.
0: Have you participated in any studies like this?
1: I haven't actually done any like real studies into it. Um, All my experiences have thus far been anecdotal. Okay, Um, Which counts? It does. Absolutely. You know, people's experiences with it are, are important. And, uh, I've always try to listen to people who want to talk about their experiences with things that, you know, they've heard that I've created or, or whatnot. Um, I would definitely like to get more into a studying place with it and have more research and a
0: clinical style environment where like people are measuring things and right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like there's this one study that, um, and talked about how, uh, and this one was looking at 40 hertz, uh, a binaural beat of 40 hertz, but it also utilized the frequency of 40 hertz. So the left ear was experiencing 40 hertz, the right ear was experiencing 80 hertz, and then the perceived binaural beat was 40 hertz, because that's the difference of the two.
0: Does that make people dizzy? It could. Okay. Um to like hear such something of like such difference. Yeah, it could. I guess the brain's kind of probably processed that enough to, we've probably evolved enough that we could handle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, some people definitely have, get really thrown by by binaural beats. You know, it really impacts them very, uh, you know, strongly, whereas some other people have no experience whatsoever with it. Yeah. Um, but in this study with, um, you know, that 40 hertz, it looked at it, and it basically said that it led to improvements in cognition, mood, and um, memory. Ah. And then this other study kind of looked at binaural beats too and, and basically determined, well, there wasn't necessarily an effect on mood, but it did still talk about the effects on cognition and on memory. So Interesting. there's kind of you know varying information here and there, and there's not an extensive amount of, of actual study out there. So um I think more so in the last few years, there's been some more progression in that in that space, and people are looking at um, sound in this kind of different manner. Um, so hopefully that will continue on, and um, I would definitely love to be more involved in that kind of realm going forward.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So in your in your new, new album, um, sounds for well being on Bandcamp. Um, you, you kind of mentioned that you created more of a little bit of a more of a melody or more kind of like a more interesting sound on top of the binaural beats. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, like I guess the inspiration behind that or how you do that? Well, yeah, I just curious yeah. a little bit more to know.
1: Definitely. like in in the past when I listened to binaural beats, they were typically just like the two frequencies, you know you'd have yeah. one the left, one in the right. And then you would have that perceived beating pattern that would also happen. I like to look at it with a little bit more of a musical aspect to it. So I will, you know, let's say, um, like one of the to- tones, one of the tracks on the new album is called NO and it's for nitric oxide. And, um, and the, the reason that I chose this is I had found a study out there that basically talked about, um, humming and people were humming at around 130 hertz and the the point of this basically was to increase the amount of nasal nitric oxide in the body and it was shown that this humming around 130 hertz led to about 15 to 20 times greater nitric oxide uh, production in the nasal cavity and you know, um, nitric oxide is, you know, really important in the body. It uh, it's, it's especially important for blood vessel health. And, um, you know, someone who has good nitric oxide production, most likely will have lower blood pressure, um, potentially lower inflammation, you know, all these kind of different issues can be solved by having that. So I started with that 130 hertz, and then I looked at it from a musical sense. And from a musical sense, if you think of Octaves, for instance, um, it's basically you could get an octave by doubling uh, a frequency. So I took 130 hertz, doubled that to 260, um, and then I also brought down, uh, you know, half of 130, which is 65. And so this way, adding these kinds of other harmonics in, um, you're kind of getting a fuller sound. Mm. It feels a little bit more musical. You're bringing in other bandwidths of, of frequency. Um, and then I'm also building binaural beats off of those. And I also, um, I also like to bring in other frequencies at other times. So frequencies might come in, they might come out. So... Um, they will pan. I do a lot with panning through both left and right um, headphones. And I also think about it in the sense of intervals. You know, in music, um, we have a, a bunch of different intervals that in themselves, some people, you know, theorize, you know, minor intervals make people feel this way, major make people feel this way. Um, and ultimately, from a musical standpoint, I look at them and I think, well, some of these um Intervals are more stable. You know, a perfect fifth is going to be more stable than a minor second. Um, and all that
0: music theory is like coming back in from your, your college days and all studying. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So I, I'll also look at some of these uh, frequencies and I will build intervals off of them. Cool. You know, uh, for instance, in um, just intonation, uh, a perfect fifth is is the ratio of a a three to two ratio, basically. So I can use these different ratios to create intervals to then make these binaural beat compositions and mon- monaural compositions to be more musical and sound more musical.
0: Very cool.
1: And I'll have some of these frequencies come in and out. So it will be like for a while, it might be all the same thing and it can be very meditative. And then maybe a fifth will come in or a major third will come in or there'll be some dissonance maybe because dissonance could be a good way to move things too. Mm. Um,
0: so if we were to play maybe a, like a minute and a half of NO, and because um, I've got it pulled up here on Bandcamp, um, uh, what what would you recommend? if people are either driving or maybe sitting at home, how, how would you recommend people kind of prepare for, for listening to, to your binaural beats through this this nitrous, n- nitric, wait, what is, what is it? What is it? Nitric, nitric, yeah. okay. <laughs> nitric oxide. Nitric oxide, okay, nitric oxide. So how, how would you ask people to kind of prepare if we're gonna do just a little a little sample of this music?
1: Yeah, um, well, if they're at home and they're not really uh, doing too much of, you know, significance, I would say put on some headphones. You get a little bit more of an experience with it, with headphones. Uh, If someone was in the car, you know, um, just focus on the road. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stay driving. (laughs) Stay driving.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'll oftentimes tell people, you know, if they're not experienced with, like, some of this music to, like, you know, focus on it more so when they can, you know. It's not necessarily so powerful that it'll just make someone, you know, fall asleep immediately yeah. or something like that, but you never really know how it's going to impact somebody, so.
0: Is is a car uh, a substitute for headphones as far as listening? Uh,
1: not, well, you get a good sound in the car because of all the all the um, speakers. You could probably get a really interesting effect. It would still probably fall into the monaural beat category because... You truly have to have the independent ears experiencing the independent frequencies to be binaural.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so we're gonna play No, um, this track um, uh, by Chris Stirk um, off his album Sounds for Well Being on Bandcamp. Um, so, and you can always go back and find this episode or his music um, and support a local artist. Um, so, so go ahead and grab your headphones if you haven't already, and we're gonna go ahead and, and start playing No so here we go all right it's coming was just a little sample of um, of Chris Sterk's, uh sounds for well-being and um, off his band camp and that was the track n o um, and I w- I'm listening through headphones right now and I swear to God I felt like for a second that my chest was gonna explode I was just like whoa uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else I mean it was kind of like it, it really like hit hard i was like oh my gosh um yeah that was that was crazy and that was that's actually a seven minute track so we just listened to about a minute and a half of that um but whoa so that like helps lower your blood pressure and gets like the nitric oxide moving in your system so this one i
1: i actually specifically designed because i want people to hum along with it
0: whoa okay
1: because it's that's what this study was was showing was basically that, you know, people would hum at this 130 Hertz or approximately or 130 Hertz. And that's what, you know, led to this kind of greater amount of nitric oxide p- present in the nasal cavity. And it doesn't necessarily have to be 130 Hertz. Who knows? Um, so but that-, that study does have 130 Hertz and it showed that this is kind of the results from it. So I, I say, yeah, let's let's try that. And so people could hum along with that frequency
0: that like hum, just like wherever because i don't I'm not really like I don't have a background in like performing other music other than like fourth grade oboe. so i don't I don't have like like if I were to hum along with it, would I just kind of do my best, or do I have yeah. to be at a certain frequency?
1: I would say do your best and and ultimately, all of the tones in there, other than the binaural ones that come in on the, you know, in the individual ears, um, it's all uh, an octave of 130 hertz, either higher or lower, and 130 is there as well. So, yeah, you could pretty much hum to whatever you feel that your your voice can reach in that in that sound in that song or composition, however you want to consider it. Um, and there are some really low. You know, there's a 32.5 hertz in there, so it's a pretty low frequency. Uh, Obviously, it sounded pretty low. And then there's some binaural beats that are um, in the delta range. So it's supposed to help people relax, um, you know, get the brain to uh, either entrain to a lower frequency or to just, uh, you know, help the brain to create these kind of lower frequencies as well.
0: Super cool. That, that was really trippy, I have to say. Like, I'm still kind of feeling that in my like solar plexus. I feel like it just like, it's almost just like that music just shook me.
1: Yeah, I could believe that. Um, and there's some singing bowl in there as well. And, and that kind of, I feel like sometimes singing bowls alone kind of do that to me as well. Uh, you know, if you get a good, depending on how you play the singing bowl, you can get a really low fundamental and you also get this kind of higher higher frequency off of it too and it's this you know kind of pulls you in two ways sometimes
0: do you when you are creating um binaural beats do like do you have does it like if you go back and listen to it does it have the same effect on you as when you're creating it or do you feel like other people's like therapeutic sound or binaural beats is more effective? Like, does it stand alone or does it feel like, well, I kind of created this. So it's like, maybe it's, you know, it's kind of like when we give ourselves healing versus when we give other people healing, like having, let me me take a step back. It's like, and kind of reframe my question. So um, for example, when I offer Reiki for myself, Mm. there's nothing like, the foundation of Reiki is self-treatment, right? So like having that energy activated and channeling that energy. But sometimes when I receive, uh, not sometimes, but when I receive any kind of healing from somebody else, it can activate different parts of me. Like just there's different frequencies that come in, different intentions. And there's just sort of this beautiful collision that can help shift and move dynamics. Um, And so I I guess the translation of that question is like, does your own creation of these binaural beats have a, um, have continually different effects for you or do you feel like it's other people's music that kind of gets you home?
1: I definitely feel a lot of effect from, from the music, the, um, the the stuff that I create. And, And that's ultimately why I originally wanted to do it was because when I was creating this, I was recognizing how it was impacting me. Um, and i was i would think to myself well if if i'm having this type of experience with this i'm sure other people may as well um When I oftentimes I can't like compose a whole bunch of different tracks in the same day or anything like that, because after a while, it's kind of draining it, you know, I'll feel tired, I will feel, you know, like it's done what it's supposed to do, especially if I am focusing on some of those lower frequencies and some of these, uh, you know, delta range and, and, and theta range kind of stuff that are designed to help you sleep or, or help you relax. Um, so I, I definitely still, to this day, I put on tracks that I created five years ago and still really feel the impact of it
0: Hmm. yeah that's really really cool I mean I guess if you're if you're looking for something really special and you create it yourself then why not you know yeah might (laughs) might as well might as well thank that five you know that self from five years ago yeah uh, yeah so so how come you were sitting on these tracks for so long because you said that you had them in your library for a long time and you just recently put them up like what was the impetus to um to put these online
1: uh, you know, it's just this desire for more people to, you know, experience therapeutic sound. Um, that's kind of been a big uh, focal point for me is, is bringing this kind of stuff to more people. Um, even just gongs or singing bowls or, you know, just having these types of um, therapeutic sound experiences, you know, these types of auditory stimulation devices that the binaural beats and the Monaro beats are. Uh just the desire to get it out there for more people to listen to. Um, you know, it's I, I think it's a time when there is a lot of stress and there's a lot of anxiety in the world and uh I think it could be helpful for people to put on some of this stuff after, you know, a long day and just kind of melt away into their couch or what have you. So, uh, just the desire to to share it out there more.
0: Mm, That's so that's lovely. I I really well. I'm I'm very appreciative that you put all this out there. Mm, Thanks. I'm glad. Um, that's really great. Um, so if you're just tuning in, um, we're chatting with Chris Stirk, who is a uh, he offers therapeutic sound for yoga and meditation, Um, and so um, so one you know as we're kind of coming towards the top of the hour uh, I feel like there's so much we haven't even we've only haven't even scratched the surface of your work Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your the Resonance Collective that you created Um, what is or that you kind of co-founded can you tell us a little bit about what what is the Resonance uh, Collective?
1: Yeah it it was a group um, of uh, three of us primarily and we're therapeutic sound workers and who also kind of dabble in other modalities. Um, It was myself, uh, David Kuhn, who was up in Vermont at the time. Uh, He's out west now. And Kelly Joy, who's down in Connecticut. And we would throw events primarily around the valley once in a while uh, up in Vermont. And, you know, we were three therapeutic sound workers who Um, you know, approach it a little bit differently from each other, but are still able to, uh, you know, work really well together and really work with other people. So it was just a collaboration of, uh, you know, therapeutic sound workers trying to do slightly bigger events, you know, have... A lot of you know. Sometimes we would probably have maybe five or six gongs playing being played at once. And oh my
0: gosh! You know, very
1: various, various instruments, multiple drums, and and things like that. So
0: it's like a collective working on the collective.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So hopefully, again, someday we'll do something. You know, it's a little bit tricky over the last few years of you know putting things on but
0: yeah um, especially because it sounds like you guys are all living further apart now yeah that
1: too yeah
0: yeah so how how do how do you know how do how do they work differently than how you work because I know you kind of said that you like all like you know there's this kind of resonance among you and your styles how you all kind of jive but like how how did they work that uh enhanced your work and vice versa Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I definitely have this kind of electroacoustic thing going on where I like the binaural beats and the monaural beats and I'll, you know, compose those and record those and have those as like a tool to use too. So I think that was a little bit different. And I, I think each of us came from different training in therapeutic sound work um, and just kind of, you know, some people focus more on, you know, I'm very like instrument focused. Um since I've played instruments for so long and I feel such a connection to that. Um, And I know David's very vocals and does a lot of voice work. Um, So, you know, just kind of different elements coming into the process and and helping to, you know, steer the energy and steer the group and, and work in that kind of manner.
0: Oh, that's really cool. That's really, really neat. Um, and so how how does it um, work with the, um, I know you're also in the Binaural Beat Brothers. Um, how does it work with the, the, it's two of you, right? Yes. Um, so how does it work with uh, just you guys? Are you more electronic? Like, what is your kind of style of, um, of offering uh, sound
1: yeah, well, a big piece of it is definitely the binaural beats. Um, are, right uh, in the name. Right in the name. So <laughs> yeah. you kind of know what you're getting to some extent. And uh, we actually, we typically say there's actually three members of the group, and the third member is is known as resonant vibrations, or re- Resfi, we call it, which is actually just our speaker system that we use to be able to create the sounds. But since it is very much focused on binaural beats, um, we have to give Resfi the the uh, credit that it deserves um and either myself or casey who the other member um, we will kind of come up with an idea of what the composition is that we want to focus on one of us will take the lead in putting together the actual tones and the frequencies to get the binaural or monaural beats Um, and then you know most recently we've been kind of sending tracks back and forth to each other you know, recently I created one uh, focused on honeybees. Um, you know, the frequency of honeybees, uh, the, the wing beatings, and all this kind of stuff. We're f- the, the next album that we're working on is all about animals that use sound in interesting ways.
0: Whoa! Yeah, so, that sounds like super heady and cool.
1: It is definitely. We have some cool animals that are that are getting getting some, uh, credit going on. Um, so that one, I, you know, I found some bee sounds I wanted to incorporate and, uh, then found, you know, research on what is the sound of, uh, honeybee's wings when it's, you know, uh, vibrating and buzzing around. And there has been, it's been shown that, um, honeybee wing.
0: How do you collect the sound of a honeybee's wing? Uh, you know, rec-
1: recording them I, I suppose and then you could use um, like you
0: follow them around with a little mic yeah a little, really?
1: little microphone uh, I definitely have some bee recordings that I've had yeah if you can you find a good spot where there's a lot of them the garden's a good spot in Montague you know you could put a little bit little field recorder there and get some bee sounds and then you could always use like a um, look at it through a frequency analysis um, a way to get that Um I oftentimes will We'll read a lot of studies to find, like, if someone's like, oh, we've been studying honeybees and this is the predominant frequency that they're at, I'll use that kind of research too. Um,
0: you don't have to go back and do all the legwork.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I like to take a lot of researched frequencies and then turn those into more musical meditative pieces. Um, so then once we kind of send back and forth um, the ideas, then we'll kind of track instruments as well. Um, Casey primarily does uh, didgeridoo and um, various percussion and I primarily will be doing gongs and singing bowls and we also kind of both work with electronic drums and getting those in there. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how the process unfolds and um, we have three albums online. and this would be the fourth once it's complete. Wow, yeah.
0: That's amazing. So Chris, we are coming towards the top of the hour. Um, if people are just tuning in and they want to find out more about your work, um, what's the best place that they can come and find you or the Binaural Beat Brothers? Because you, you're you an independent musician and you're also part of um, the Binaural Beat. So what, yeah. what's the best uh, way that people can find you?
1: Yeah, uh, people can find me on Facebook. Uh, Chris Sturck. I'm, I'm out of Amherst, Massachusetts. Um we also Binaural Beat Brothers is also on Facebook. We have a page on there, so you can find that. Um, we have videos and, and and sounds online. You can find our albums on Bandcamp and CD Baby, and uh, my my newest release, uh, Sounds for Well Being, is also on Bandcamp as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely encourage people to go and listen to that like some of those tracks with headphones on Bandcamp the sounds for well-being and you know you can always support your local musicians and you know if you want to but um they're they're also there for just straight up listening so if you're if you're curious about um the fullness and the full experience of what Chris Stirk does um definitely you know that's that's something to explore um so um and again if you're just tuning in um you've been listening to Energy Matters and I'm your host Caroline Rutterman. And um, if you do want to catch the rest of this episode, or any other episode of Energy Matters, you can always go on to uh, my website, Reiki Northampton, and find the episodes there. They're usually um, posted about a week later. Or if you're a podcast listener, you can go anywhere that you download your podcasts um, and uh, look for the Energy Matters podcast. There is another Energy Matters podcast out there. So um, mine is the one with the Starburst logo, not the two dudes. So look for the Starburst logo, um, and you will find... uh, Uh, find this episode and they're always posted uh new episodes are posted every friday so um so thank you so much chris for for coming on and and sharing what you do and um i feel like you ricocheted me with that minute and a half into outer space so thank you for that of course Um, thanks for having me of course Um, so have a great weekend everyone and be well